Well, this is fun. We nobody there's no one else we would pick to talk about this subject. This is the perfect person to be up here talking about personal transformation and healthy relationships. He lives it. He's dedicated his life to to it. He teaches. He's created a ministry called The Safe Place, and he ministers individually one-on-one -on -one with people to help them get their hearts free so they can live out their highest calling. And he, and he trains other people to do that um, as well and certifies other people so that he can multiply and, and spread this. So I'm very grateful for you in my life and the role that you've played in getting me where I am. Amen. It's good to be here and see you. It's been a while. Yeah. So let's jump in. We've got lots. I think, do we have extra time? I feel like we got a few. Yes, we do. Start running. Don't tell Nathan that. Um, did they say we do? <laughs> I know. So we are talking about personal transformation. And, and really, we want to dig into kind of the, the what is it, why does it matter, and how do we do it? So I want to start out and just ask you, Nathan, when you think about um, transformation, what is transformation? Yeah, well, um, so we'll just start out this way. Romans 12.2 says this. It says, be not conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by re the renewing of your mind. Uh, then you will know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your life. I like uh, how I like a lot of things that are said in the Passion Translation right now, and I want to read it this way. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. So that's the scripture we don't have a lot of time, so here's what I want to lay is the foundation that we build all the other questions around, and that is this. What is transformation? And so very simply, there's a Greek word that they're using here, and this Paul's using here in the scriptures, and that word is metamorphosis. Have you heard that before? Maybe going back to the parts of your brain that hurt because that would have been science class. And when we think about metamorphosis, right, we think about this right here. We think about a caterpillar to a butterfly. And that's really the reference of this. There's other metamorphosific processes out there for other insects and things like that. But the one that we think about and the one that I think Paul's really referencing here is this metamorphosis and the idea of a caterpillar to a butterfly. Now, we all know that. We all know there's this little cocoon packet that kind of is out there on a limb. Uh, that's called a crystallis. Um, that happens in the third stage of development in this caterpillar four-stage cycle to a butterfly. Um, and here's what you need to get out of this. And this is the, this is the impact moment that, I, that we're going to go real fast through because we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Y'all see y'all bandit run. For those of you that are my age and older, you know that. For the rest of you, just Google it. And um, so here's the thing. That caterpillar goes into that chrysalis, and it forms the cocoon. And literally what happens in there is that it, that caterpillar literally turns into an organic goo. Literally becomes nothing. Gone. And then there are these really cool cells that scientists have creatively, amazingly called imaginable cells. Now, you think about your imagination. Your imagination can create anything and everything, right? It creates fantasies. It creates nightmares. It captures your life experientially. And it data, it's like, it's like your data system of capturing everything. So good things are captured, negative things are captured. That's where your beliefs are created, where? In the imagination of who you are. So it's interesting in the metamorphosis, metamorphosis process, which simply in Latin means changing shape, okay? So that's the idea here. But to focus it to us and what we're talking about to lay this foundation, this metamorphic process 
the caterpillar goes into a goo and ceases to be and latent in the 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 being of this caterpillar are these imaginable cells these cells can literally become anything that gets programmed into them anything there just has to be a blueprint or for our purposes a genetic code latent inside of these cells so the goo the caterpillar drops off in the midst of the goo are these latent imaginable cells can become anything just like your imagination if you if you can think it you can become it right and and you have thought it and that's what you've become to this point just so you know those latent those things drive you on the subconscious and so we're in there with these cells and coded into the cells the genetic code is this butterfly and these cells start to begin to uh, become more cells and more cells and more cells and all of a sudden what pops out is a butterfly now if you look at kids books there's always this face of the caterpillar as it goes in and when it comes out it's still the caterpillar face but it's got a butterfly body that's not the way it works it literally becomes nothing and out comes something new a new shape a new form and that's what we're talking about here when it talks about Paul saying, be not conformed to the pattern, the shape, the forms of this world. Now be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when we think about transforming, we have to know, right, what's really being said. And let me just, let me just find this. So here's what the, here's what, if you look up the definition, right? for just this process. Listen to all the kingdom words in it. A caterpillar's old body dies, and a new body forms inside a protective shell known as the chrysalis. Inside the cocoon and the chrysalis, the caterpillar is transforming into a new creation. You'd think that scripture or somebody spiritual wrote it. No, this is the black and white science of what happens. Can somebody get excited like when <laughs> when when nature and and natural people with no spiritual reality or presence all of a sudden become the preachers? <laughs> so this chrysalis is this protective cocoon. And what is that to us? There's this hard shell that forms, right? Listen, watch this. Come on, tie it into Shalice here, and then we'll move on and build off of that. Our protective cocoon is being found hidden in Christ. And from the time you interface with him and become aware of his presence, some say salvation, some say born again, some just say, I know Jesus. From the time that that happens, you are now hidden in Christ. This process of transforming is not a one act and done. It is ongoing until we see him as he is. So the Bible talks about having garments of salvation. You're hidden in Christ. The Bible talks about robes of righteousness. You're hidden in Christ. In Ephesians, it talks about a full armor, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, and on and on and on, down to your feet being shod in peace. Come on, are you here? So the reality is, is you're seeing you in the mirror in this caterpillar state, but God has already seen you in this transformed state that you're walking into before your beginning began. And that whole process is called transformation. Once you realize, oh, I'm in Christ, I got this relationship with him. So the reason this is so important is because it is the foundation that your whole life builds off of. So we probably ought to understand that literally God sees you not as organic goop, not as the caterpillar. He sees you in the finished work of Christ, and he's moving us in this journey in life towards that. That's the foundation in a nutshell of transformation. Let's go from there. The rest wow. won't be that long, but I got to lay that foundation to... Is that, is that I don't okay? know, man. Right. That was a very juicy snack. I could go home and chew on for like <laughs> the rest of the day. I don't know about you. I got to dial back because I'm ready to just pull an organ out and start preaching my guts out. So I'm just, I'm like, hey, uh -huh. Woo! Ah, shaka. Um, 
<laughs> that is so awesome. So, so we, we know what transformation is. I don't know if I've ever heard it described like that. I mean, that fully. So what an awesome definition of what transformation is. Why is it so important? You, you touched on that at the very end, but go, go a little deeper into that. Like, what does it matter to us? Like how, what's important about it for us? It's important for us because that's the lifelong journey with Jesus. Listen, here's the bottom line of this thing. As I just explained it, then what we do is we we internalize what you just heard and go, what do I need to do? Nothing. That's the problem. We live in a culture of doing. We're not human doings. We're human beings. So this is how I say this. God has initiability. You have responsibility. You didn't first reach out for him. He, before you ever got here, reached out to humanity, and that included you. So even in your individual personal transformation life, he is constantly initiating. He has initiability. He has the ability to initiate. You have responsibility. You have the ability to respond. Come on, hear me now. You are not primary ever in this relationship. He is, and he has the responsibility of constantly pursuing you to change you from your salvation experience into glory, glory, glory every day. And let me say this. The only other three times that that word metamorphosis is in the Bible, two of them are at his transfiguration, and the other one is in 2 Corinthians 3 talking about his glory. So I'm going to jump ahead and answer a question. Why are we doing this transformation process? Not to look more beautiful like you, which you all look amazing. It is that he wants little Jesuses running around on this planet showing people what? Jesus, what does that mean? What's the bottom line of transformation? 1 Corinthians 13, the love of God. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not easily angered. It doesn't hold records of wrongs. It's long-suffering, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. You can't do that on your own. That love chapter is Jesus. You put your name in there, and you try to say those things about you, you fall short. You fall right on your face. God wants it that way because you can't be his love to the world without him. So it's not about what you can do. It's what he does through you, and what he does through you starts with what he does in you. And so the reality to this is he has initiability. Sit back, sit on the plane, eat your peanuts, relax. And when he starts initiating, then go ahead and respond. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to answer another question. Let me tell you, when he initiates, it's painful. But so is chiropractic. Until the pain's adjusted, until the transformation happens, until you die, come on, and he lives. Listen, this is the, the public demonstration of the first transformation in your life is called baptism. Why is it so important? It's not just that you're proclaiming an inward work to an outward manifestation. He's trying to get you to see that when you go down in that water, it's like when he went down in the grave, and you've got to understand this. He is so complete in this. He has so thought this through. And when we get it, it's literally when he died, we die. So you're living, you were already dead before you walked in here. You just need to learn and understand what happened and walk into alignment with it. Your first alignment, your first chiropractic is salvation. And it's painful to let go of all that guilt and that shame, but it's not as painful to carry it. Come on, are you here? And so when you go down into the water in baptism, you identify in his death. But that's not the part. That's the goop. Your organic goop dies and stays with him in that. Come on, are you here? And you're in there with these unimaginable stells. And the genetic code of God is him. So you've got these imaginable cells in your DNA and the genetic code now, that's called regeneration for us old school folk. But let me just, it's regenerating. You're being regenerated supernaturally through the life of Christ. And so in baptism, we identify with his death, the caterpillar, but then we come out as the butterfly because in scripture, it was him at the transfiguration. He didn't look like himself anymore. He got transfigured. 
Come on, are you like totally changed, metamorphosized right before their eyes. It's like he said, listen, I'm going to show you what I look like before I die. And when he come out of the grave, this is how he come out. That's why when he walked with people, nobody recognized him because he wasn't Jesus anymore. Now he was the full-blown Christ, the son of the living God. And even Mary said, where you as the garden keeper? Where did you take his body? And until he said something to her that identified with him in his past, he had to say her name, Mary. As soon as he said her name, all of a sudden he's like, she's like Rabboni, teacher. She got it. The guys on the, uh, the Emmaus Road, he's talking to them. Their hearts are burning within them. They don't get it. And all of a sudden, when he sits down with them and has communion, he breaks the bread and he prays. All of a sudden, their eyes were open to who he was. Why weren't they open before? Because he's in another dimension now. He is fully transfigured. Come on, are you here? Now, listen, the, the third one there is 2 Corinthians 3 is the glory with transformation comes his glory, his essence, his substance. It flows out. So the picture he's identifying us with is not the Jesus that walked the earth. It's the transfigured Christ. Jesus is a part of that, but it's the transfigured Christ. It's the one that nobody knew. When you got saved, some of you, right? All of a sudden, people went, who are you? I like the old drinking buddy I had. Can you go back to him? I like the old doping buddy I had. I'm dating myself. You can go back to him. Come on, are you here? Listen, the, the inner work comes out. It's not something you can do. It's something you become. Now, you do do things in response to him. But this, this is the process. So anyways, well, you want, whatever you want to answer. Then. Hi. Hi. <laughs> You're doing great with this interview. I am. By the way. I love this. I was made for this. Hey, I I agree. Sit here and get blown away. That's what's happening. Ah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this, but but You're I. You're doing great. You're doing great. This is awesome. I I I want to hear about. So yes, he does it in us. What are what's our responsibility in that relationship with him? In, in that. So what's like yeah. the process <clears throat> that we we agree to and engage in with him. Like, how do we do it? Oh, I'm sorry. Right here? Oh, move my hand up. There we go. Did we totally delete this whole... Did yeah. I, like, we okay, got to start right. over. I'm getting to the age where I'm a dinosaur caught up in an ice age, and I have huge gap on this tech stuff. Like, like, I was telling them, like, they're trying to get me into the tech world, and so I thought I was getting it, and then all of a sudden, like, like things change in a week. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, when did that just, I thought I had it. No, so anyways. But what doesn't Process, yeah, process. how we transform. Yeah. So, that's right. See, you just earned your money right there. So, so, um, so our, I, I think it's where I had gone. He has the initiability. You have the responsibility. It's the chiropractor's job to initiate the change. You have to lay there. You have to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You have to show up. You have to lay there. So the re it's the response. Now, so this is, this is broad. So I'm not going to dial in any one thing, right? Here's the broadness of it. As long as it doesn't become a duty that you do to fulfill your identity, anything's game. What does that mean? You can't let processes become religious routines where there's no life in them. So there is no one thing. I could say, hey, transformation is about doing these prayer sessions and get you all worked up into that to give you a sales pitch. The bottom line is any moment where we focus and open ourselves up to Jesus, here's the key. Transformation has to happen in the truth of who Jesus is meeting you in the experiential place of your life. Transformation happens when Jesus meets with us, meets with us, meets with us in the experiential place in our lives. What's the experiential place? The emotional heart that you have. 
So some of you are going, I don't understand why I get in these church services and Susie Rara over here is falling apart and seems to be touched by God all the time. And like, is there a Susie? Oh, man. I am so sorry. I didn't, that was prophetic. I didn't. That was words listen, of knowledge. Listen, I got to tell you, I have never lit that out like that. And Literally, as I'm saying it, I'm going, God, what are we doing here? Like, I have never. Are you serious? Okay, well. Uh... So this is what happens when you're in full alignment with God. I didn't have a goosebump. It came out. I'm like, what? In my head, I'm going, are you out of your mind? Like, and So there you go. Transformation. No, but. Um, Susie Rara. Yeah. So, so you're sitting there going, I got nothing, and I always have nothing. What's going on? The only difference is, in my opinion, doing this, what I do, and then pastoring the years that I have, the only difference is some people have learned or are more acclimated to knowing how to be in their hearts than others. It doesn't, it's not about personality. It's not about whether you're a thinker or whether you're a feeler. We all have a heart. We're all emotional. We're all wired that way. And for whatever reasons, some people have to learn more how to get into their hearts than others because that's where the experience happens. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That word truth there is gnosko. It's an experiential knowing. There are people that don't profess to know God, but they know their Bible better than I do. One moment with Jesus can change anything and everything in whatever area he's meeting with you in that because he doesn't give you truth. He is the truth. He is the source of truth. Does that make sense? And so, um, so having said that, any platform that you use that's bringing life where you're having experiences with Jesus and he's changing. Now, listen, we can have experiences with Jesus and there's no change. Follow me now. That word gnosko, you know the picture that they use for that uh, to help you understand it is sex in a marriage. So, Say more about that, Nathan. Is, is, do tell. So is Jesus saying he wants to have sex with you? No. Okay. I'm just putting, I know we're recording. I don't know which one's going out, but I, there's, there's all kinds of thoughts. So I'm going to stop the email right now. Okay. So, so it's a comparative analogy. It's about a spiritual engagement. And the only illustration they could come up with that even got close to helping you understanding it is what's supposed to be the ultimate place between two people in full intimacy of heart and body, which is the sexual act. And so the reality here is what Jesus is saying is when you open your heart and allow me to know you and you know me, change happens. And that can come when you're reading your Bible and devotions. That can come in a prayer time uh, like what we do. That can be watching. Listen, I have had some of the most profound changes in my life watching a movie. Are you hearing me? So listen, here's what happens. In religious upbringing, we narrow down what you're supposed to know God to be and how to get to him. He's in your box. He'll be in your box as long as there's faith involved in it for you. But he's not relegated to your box. And sometimes when people are having experiences outside of our boxes, we go, well, that can't be God. I don't know about that. Well, that's got to be. Be careful with that. They're just, God's not relegated to your box. You know, Paul's disciples came to him, right? And they said, hey, they're, they're, they're preaching Jesus and they're getting paid for it. He said, is it the real Jesus? Yeah. Are they preaching what we preach? Well, yeah. Okay, well, then leave them alone. I don't care whether they're getting paid or not. The fact of the matter is, is Jesus being glorified? He'll sort all that. You not think he's big enough to sort everybody? He, of course he is. So listen, be on your own journey with Jesus. 
and be open to the idea that the ways that he wants to transform you to look like him may not be how you were told it's supposed to be as you grew up. I've had some of the most profound experiences, not in a dirt. As a matter of fact, I'm beginning to wonder because of my background, if I should even stick to those times. Because most of the time I'm sitting there going, I got the worship music on. That's good. And then I'll walk out and I'll get in the car and all of a sudden everything explodes. And I'm like, I cannot figure this out. And, and, and I'll... And my biggest place, like where I hear God, if I ain't hearing God at all, I'll just get in the shower. You got to find your spot. I don't know what it is for you, and I don't know why that works, but let me tell you, my transformations, I'm in the shower. I mean, I'm not, sometimes I just get in there because I want to hear God. I ain't even smelly. At least I don't think so. So anyways, is that answering that question? Like, like how do you... Uh, no, do it okay. again. <laughs> um, yes, that's awesome. And it actually kind of segues us perfectly into um, establishing healthy relationships. And why, why does that segue perfectly? Because you're talking about a relationship with Jesus. You're talking about our oneness and our union in Christ. And so when you think about relationships, you know, why are relationships so important to our transformation and, and to pursuing and our highest calling and purpose? Well, so answering it that way, based on transitioning from this to that, um, relationships are important to this process because that's, that's how the work gets done, meaning this. You will never be in a relationship with anybody that's a real, authentic relationship to your heart and not have challenges. Well, my girlfriend and I, we never we never have a problem. We're besties. Well, I'm not convinced you're fully in your hearts with each other. Now, I'm not saying every relationship should be nuclear. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which some of you may or may not know. Or no, 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 I'm not saying. Leonard Ravenhill. Um, uh, he's a little more towards our time. He used to say, I've never really known a man till I heard him pray. That sounds real spiritual. And I'm going, I never really knew a man till I heard him drop the F-bomb. <laughs> I know some of you just went... <laughs> The point I'm making is not the F-bomb. The point I'm making is until you are actually in a full-on relationship where somebody feels so safe with you, they can be who they are when you're not there, now you're talking about relationship. And, and when you get to that level, it gets messy. It, it, it gets messy. Does that, it, it got quiet. So, so, so let me just tell you this. Healthy relationships have mess. Healthy relationships are hard. And they create the opportunity for you to change and be more like Jesus. Because what's not like Jesus can only come out of you in a healthy relationship. Now, let me say this. It will become healthy when the unhealthy that comes out of you gets dealt with. We tracking? So let me talk to people because I just, two or three years ago, it just always comes up. So let me, let me just talk to this from the standpoint of the original relationship outside of God, which was Adam and Eve. Your marriage is not about your pleasure. Your marriage is primarily about becoming more like him. And this person that God partnered you with is the vessel by which you get more than anybody else to do that with, which means marriage is painful. Marriage is messy. And God intends it to be that way 
so that you can figure out how to be like him. So when you think your spouse has just gone off the rails and you want to get offended and you want to get shut down and there's this little voice in, inside your head that goes, hey, go over and give him a hug. That's your, that's your daughter or son. You go give him a hug. Did you not just see what happened here? You're the God of everything inside everybody. You go warm their heart right now. I'm the only one that thinks that way. I get it, but. I am fully in the wronged here. You saw it. No, that's your perspective. And it's only in that moment when you hear go give a hug that you have a choice to be like Jesus or not. You can't do that when you're out and you see somebody on the road and that touched your heart that they need a couple of bucks to go eat and, and they, they go, you know, and, and you, you take them in and they get a meal and you feel good about yourself that God used you or you're used in a gift of discernment at the, at the dinner table out there when you got a waitress in front of you and, or a waiter and you give them a word and they fall apart or, or you just smile at somebody and you be nice. Oh, hey, I, hey, I, you know, I, no, 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 no. That's the fun part. It doesn't take anything to be Jesus there. It takes a whole lot of Jesus when your kids do this or that and they hurt your heart and God still says, love them, speak kind to them. I can't do that. You're right. Remember when I said about transformation and looking like Jesus? This isn't about what you can do on your own. And sometimes in the middle of that, being obedient to go give a hug when you think they ought to come give you a hug and they ought to... It is in that moment that when you partner... Again, he has initiability. He's initiating into your life. See, it all sounded real good when you were by yourself and okay, the chiropractic. Here's part of the chiropractic. Here's part of the maturity and growing up. It's not acting like a three-year-old when you feel justified to act like it, growing up and maturing is doing the right thing in the middle of not feeling any of that. And then you hug your spouse and you still don't feel anything, but they've been ministered to. That's Jesus right there. And then you change. So the next time you're not so offended or maybe at all. And then God starts talking to you because you were obedient and he goes, listen, let me tell you what's wrong with you right now. <laughs> no, I just, no, 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 no. Let me tell what you were. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. No, we're talking about you. Your spouse isn't here right now. This is a one-on-one -on -one counseling. You need to take responsibility. Yeah. That's painful. That's humbling. Some of you aren't sure whether you want to shout me down anymore or not. Can we, get, can we get back to this stuff that was making me feel like, woohoo? So healthy relationships aren't about just everything going okay. If they're healthy, you both are strong people. You both have your own opinions. If you hadn't looked like you're totally different, even in physical structure, there's nothing the same about you. And you can't bring your man cave and your girlfriends at the quilting or whatever you do to have fun. Okay, I'm from Pennsylvania in a, in a Amish area. I'm not Amish, but I'm just saying. You and your girlfriends going for coffee or, you know, what, whatever that is. The point I'm making is this marriage relationship is nothing like any other relationship that you have, nor should it be, nor did God intend it to be. You ain't becoming one in soul and body with anybody else, hopefully, other than this spouse. So you can glean from other relationships, but don't make that your expectation of this. He ain't the hairy version of you. And you aren't the curvy version of him. So relationships become unhealthy, not because we got unhealthiness going on, 
it's going to come out. That's God's process. That's part of the transformation. But if you don't see it through that lens, you'll constantly go through it with no change. Well, if they, well, if he, no, 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 no. Turn that sucker back around and don't point. All five fingers pointing at you. Jesus had to die. That's all he's doing in this marriage relationship or this close companion relationship. He's causing you to die. You just got to see it that way. So when you flare up, when you get triggered, that means more death to you. Come on, are you here? This isn't about my 50 and her 50. This is about my 100% with no thought of anything coming back to me. I don't think you heard that. This isn't about it's a 50-50. It's 100% one way, period. There's nothing after that. That should be your mentality. Because if you both have that, then you both become, become begin to love and serve like Jesus. Come on, are you here? Uh, I know you all want that. And listen, just because I'm sitting here giving it to you doesn't mean in any way I have it down. I'm just, look, I was on the plane asking my wife to forgive me on the plane because I hurt her heart. We're both sitting there on the plane crying. It's messy. It's hard. It's death to you. Now, the other side of it is God did intend it to be the most amazing, pleasurable relationship that you would have on this planet. But that comes in light of dying. Uh, y'all don't want this. So I got a laugh and a, uh, so, all right, y'all, I'm going to shift here. Don't be discouraged. So that's why they're so difficult. I'll, I'll just, uh, here, so here, here's unhealthy here. Here's when it's really unhealthy. It's not that unhealthy comes out of you, but here's when it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy when somebody crosses the lines and is consistently intentionally abusive. I'm just going to go right to that. Now, listen, just because you have an abusive moment doesn't make you an abuser. Now, let me back up and say this. There should never be a time where you cross a physical boundary, period. Legally, you can't even hardly prove emotional abuse. They just don't even, oh, well, you know, go see, a, go see somebody. Even if you record it, okay, they got mad. Get over it. Physical abuse, you get hammered every time. Now, if the world sees that as the boundary, that's unhealthy. It's unhealthy to constantly be being berated. It's unhealthy for somebody to want to dominate and control and manipulate your life to where you're losing your identity as an individual. Marriage is not about, even though women, you take on our name, even though you come into us and you're engrafted to us or whatever picture you want to have, it's never about you losing your identity. And it's the same for men, but it's more dominant that way with women in that there, when, when the control happens and the manipulation happens, all of a sudden, because a woman wants to be a part anyways, and, and there's just all those natural things, right? But when you lose your identity, when your friends around you go, hey, you're not the same anymore, it's not healthy. Now, if it's healthy, wow, you're not the same anymore. Like, this has been good for you. Like... Come on, are you hearing me? And I'm talking, I, I keep shifting to the marriage thing, but it's any relationship. It can be buds, it can be girlfriends, any relation. It can be a work-related relationship where you're working for a boss and you, and you start losing your reality of you and you hyperventilate at the thought of being at work. And anytime all that stuff's going on, it's unhealthy. Don't justify it. Don't excuse it. 
Don't rationalize it. Figure out how to realize it's unhealthy and do something about it. Come on, are you here? Does that answer that one? Yes. We could talk about all of these things for like days. And I want to wrap up. We've got about two two or three minutes. And I want to hear from you. When you think about transformation and you think about healthy relationships, how do these help us fulfill our highest calling? Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. He's going to start over. I hope you brought a snack. Very simply wrapping it up, Romans 12.2. Again, relationships get us to transformation. Jesus wants us transformed. Why? Very simple, because of this. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's the bottom line. Say it again. I, I have... I have so many people come to me, sit down and go, I don't, I don't have any idea what God wants me to do. Okay, well, that's because you're not transforming. That, that's because you're not conforming. Be not con- the, the regular version of this, uh, Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then then you will know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your life. Everybody wants to sit as they are and then do God's purpose. Well, God's purpose requires that you change into him about three or four more times so that you can do this. Because if he lets you do it as you are now, you'll blow up, and then you get mad at God. Why'd you do this to me? I didn't do it to you. Some of us are going, God never, like, lets me do anything. Like, I, I, I don't move forward. Okay. Well, maybe you need to transform. Maybe there's a rib out or, or a vertebrae out. Now, listen, I'm talking, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pause here because I don't want anybody walking out condemned. Amen. You're all listening. You're all taking this in. Your specific situation may not be this. There are other factors as to why things aren't moving forward, why stuff's happened. It may not be this. So don't let this be the next thing that makes you condemn yourself. If it works in the dirt of your life and it unlocks something and you go, okay, I need to open up, I need to transform, and then that happens, then this was meant for you in the season that you're in where nothing's happening but don't take this as the all-inclusive and then you start opening up and God transforms something and now you're not doing your purpose and then you get mad at me and send me ugly mail. Don't do that. Because his work in all of us is bigger than this one moment that I'm speaking to you. Take this, eat the meat, spit out the bones and keep moving. But, But the bottom line here is in the Passion Translation now, When you do this, when you stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you and you inwardly transform by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think, then this will empower you to discern God's will. So that's a component, and a lot of people just forget that. You know, I I, I was walking off. Like, literally, like, I had gotten to the point where I, I, I was, like, becoming debilitated. And I marry this beautiful woman, and she's like, why don't you go to a chiropractor? No. <laughs> See, I'm not, my mind wasn't renewed. See, this is even practical. And finally, it got so bad that she drugged me to the chiropractor and they laid me on that God-forsaken altar. <laughs> and they did horrible, sacrificial things to my body. <laughs> and I emotionally bled. Because I don't know about you men, but, like, I don't do pain well. I know y'all are tough. I'm not. Like, I get in pain. I'm like, I squeal like a little kid. My kids love going to the chiropractor because they like the entertainment. That's a true story. I'm not, like, making that up. They're like, can we go again, Daddy? We like when you like, ah, yeah. No. And I get up, 
And all of a sudden, it's a new day. I've been transformed. There's no more pain. My leg that was swinging all by itself when I stood straight up, it's now hitting the floor. <laughs> this is the day. I thought my body got saved. I walked out of there wanting to do a charismatic jig. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> now I go every week. Praise the Lord. What? What happened? I got transformed. So then you will be able to move forward in the purposes and plans God has for you in your life. That, does that work? Amen. Okay. That was awesome. Are we done? Way to land the plane. Like, okay. So, um, now, so now let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I do training. I have people go through training. Back in 2018, I did a big training. This young lady came. She went through 30 hours in about 48 hours. I mean, they drank water out of fire hydrant. It just, you know. And then she was diligent to pursue in any way she could working on doing this, getting better, working on it, working on it, working on it. I mean, she pursued because it's all long distance. And she mainly worked with uh, the lady that founded doing this in Shalisa's stuff, which if you don't know any of that's fine, but I'm just giving reference here. And she labored and she labored. Then she called me and said, I'm ready to do my session with you. And she did it. And it went like gangbusters. And I signed off. And the lady that I had trained that she worked with, she signed off. And they are getting ready to now, in the church, launch this with her as the head of it. And I, and I, I am telling you, I am sitting here telling you, she is certified, sanctified, justified and ready to go so while we'll always come we'll always do sessions as people want them done they are stamping their brand of approval on her and as i'm sitting here with her i'm endorsing the fact that listen if you don't get in with us this weekend that's okay because you've got one in your midst and oh by the way Natalie, even though she's not doing it right now, she was one of my originals, like way back in the day. She's one that I will actually send people to to make sure that that they like they work with me, but then they have to go to a second person I've trained because it's different eyes. She's one of those that I send people to to sign off. So Yeah, so it's just so in everything I said it's just an intensive way where we, with Jesus, I partner with Jesus in doing this transformation process in an accelerated way. What may take you a lifetime takes 15 minutes in a certain area of your life in these. That's the bottom line. It's a triangle of communication. It's me to you, you to me. It's God to me and God to you. And when you walk out, whatever God worked on in those moments is done and now you can move forward in that area of your life. And yeah, in your heart, discerning God's will for your life in that place. So, so, so for instance, I have people that never fly on planes. When we're done, they fly on planes. I have people that can't go in elevators. When we're done, they go in elevators. I have people that can't have sex in their marriage because they've been abused. When we're done... They can have sex in their marriage, and their spouse calls me and goes, thank you. <laughs> that's not men or women. That's both. Because I don't know if you realize that we've got a really broken society. And at the core, at the core of transformation is Jesus' mission to bind up the brokenhearted. And we all have a heart, and all of them have been broken. Can he pray for us? Yeah. So can you just kind of pray into that for us as a congregation, for, for, for those of us, all of us who are here and want our hearts bound up? We want to be fully encountering and experiencing all that Jesus has for us. Can you kind of release that? Yeah, sure. So, Father, we just ask that by your spirit you would just walk amongst us now, so to speak. You're here. 
You're in us. You're in our atmosphere. We've just been given, hopefully, new information to quicken our hearts or reminders to adjust. And Lord, this isn't, this isn't just a moment to individually internalize this. This is, this is part of the foundational heartbeat of family life. So, Father, I just pray even from an organizational group as one of the outside voices and leaders to this house. I just declare this over them. This meaning your spirit work in their lives, however that works for them. A car ride down the road, sitting in a movie, conversation with a friend the process of their relationships begin to help them understand how to live out of their hearts and open their hearts so that they can meet with you in a broader way and transform their lives and as much as you pursued us to salvation you continue to pursue us throughout all time. And I believe even in heaven, you're still going to be pursuing us. Because if heaven is with us now, then we're just ramping up for what will be always. And so, Lord, I just declare this and I decree this over your people. I pray even now you would minister as the truth that you are to any areas that are need in need right now, to anything that your sons and daughters have need of in terms of direction and guidance, and just to affirm them. A good dad constantly is affirming his children, even when they're grown up, because we all have a need for a dad and a mom throughout our entire lives. And you are both of that to us. We love you and we honor you. And we commit this time to you and in your son, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Family Life Christian Center podcast. If you enjoyed that message, please subscribe and share us with your friends. We believe the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the body of Christ and wants to have a relationship with us as he guides us toward our destiny. If you'd like to partner with us in your giving, please check out our website at www.familylife.cc giving, or you can text GIVE to 844 955 Thank you for listening and stay blessed.